High School Slumber Party is brought to you by the Cage Club Podcast Network. For all things Cage Club related, head on over to cageclub.me. That's cageclub.me. Welcome, Boys Next Door, Summer Camp Crushes, Model UN Kids, Dance Partners. Oh, and an extra special shout out to you whoa, whoa, whoa guys out there. This is High School Slumber Party, the podcast where me and some friends look back at our teenage years through the lens of some iconic high school-centric films. I'm Brian Rodriguez, and the party's at my house this evening. But first, we got some homework to discuss. So, did you watch To All the Boys I've Loved Before? I hope so. Those of you who didn't, big fat zeros. I know, I know, you're probably feeling burned from the kissing booth, but I promise, I promise you, this film is going to wipe that nasty taste of the kissing booth right out of your mouth. And guess what? We have an awesome guest today. She's another Australian... God, I love the Australian enthusiasm when it comes to American high school films. It's almost unmatched. But our guest this week is Jenna Guillaume of BuzzFeed. She is like the expert, the expert onto all the boys I've loved before. We had a blast talking about this film. Some other great high school stuff, too, we talk about, like high school film stuff. She she has these great rewatches if you haven't read them on BuzzFeed or, like, check them out at all. You definitely want to check them out. It's like... It's literally like what we do here, but obviously in a, in a BuzzFeed form. They're really funny and great, and, well, after you hear her on this podcast, I'm sure you'll want to check it out. Oh, just a warning, I, I wanted to mention this. Our uh, transcontinental phone call, like, cuts out briefly a couple times. It's not unlistenable, don't worry, but, you know, oh, trust me, you'll hardly notice it. Whoa, whoa, whoa. The bell doesn't dismiss you. I dismiss you. Before we get out of here and start the slumber party, I want to talk about something pretty pretty serious and pretty awesome, like a little moment that's happening right now. And the thing I want to talk about is representation. I remember, you know, as a Dominican-American, as a Latino, as a kid, anytime I saw, like, another Latino on TV, and... Still, look at the statistics. Latinos and Latinas are one of the most underrepresented uh, people on American TV, considering, like, the population. But as a kid, like, the times I saw Latinos, and frankly, even when they were stereotypes, believe it or not, which kind of sucks, but the times I saw Latinos on the movies or, like, shows when I was young, it was, like, it was, like, a revelation for me. Like, I, I, I don't know how to describe it, but... Representation is, like, so important in our media. For me, I think of uh, A.C. Slater from Saved by the Bell, though he wasn't really, like, played up as, like, 
a Latino character. Sometimes, in like certain episodes, but very rarely, only when it was convenient for them. I mean, we knew Mario Lopez was a Latin guy, so... So, that was like one of the first Latin TV role models, if you want to call him a role model, sitting in the chair backwards. But the one for me that was like, wow, I like I could connect to this. And not like from anything in particular, just like, like I said, representation's a weird thing to describe, but you know it when you see it. And for me, the big one was, in the sandlot, Benny the Jet Rodriguez. Same last name, love of baseball. And I, I'm talking about this because... There seems to be a nice little movement for, again, one of the most underrepresented uh, peoples in Hollywood, which are Asians and Asian Americans. Um, has anyone seen Crazy Rich Asians? It's getting really, really good buzz. And with this, to all the boys I love before, Crazy Rich Asians, and I've seen some other stuff coming out, it seems like the Asian representation is going up just a little bit. Not enough. Definitely not enough, but it's nice to see. And and Laura Jean, the character of Laura Jean, her as like a lead in this film, well, we'll talk about it once we get into the meat of the episode here. It's just, I don't know. I'm really liking where we're going in terms of representation. I hope that makes sense. Anywho... I don't want to keep you waiting. We have a really great episode, guys. Um, but I do want you to listen to after the episode, because there are a couple of serious things I want to talk about. We're going to get real after the episode. But before that, pack your favorite jammies, tell your mother you're sleeping over Brian's, because we're about to get our party on. Let's take it away with a song that's featured in the film by a band I saw last year live at Forest Hill Stadium in Queens. Tears for Fears. Everybody Wants to Rule the World. Featured in this film. Class dismissed.
Since I started this podcast, which has not been for too long now, Australians have a tremendous appreciation for American high school films, and oh yeah, I love it. I mean, I, it's it's kind of random to me, but like uh, I love it. Like, why do you think that is? Um, we kind of grow up with a lot of American culture, a little bit of British as well, but um, like a lot of American, and I think. It's so different. American high school movies portray high school life as so different to what we um, live. So I think it's like really interesting to us from that angle because it's just like, and it's also kind of like the glorified high school experience or the glamorized <laughs> high school experience, which is like totally opposite to anything that we experience. That's awesome. It's a more relatable world to me, but I can't imagine like how, I mean, I know it's not completely different, but it's just, it's just amazing to me, like how much it's just on Twitter and all the social media, how much like Australian appreciation there is for American high school films. I love it. <laughs> yeah, it's great. I mean, you would be surprised at just how different it is. I mean, some things are universal, but um, like it's a very different system that we have. But I think also, like, there's not a lot of, like, the Australian film industry um, doesn't produce a lot of movies each year. So we don't really have many of our own touchstones. So we kind of cling on to um, American and to a lesser extent British because they're, like, seem to be, like, much cooler versions of what we have. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. I was just talking with somebody the other day, like, it's always fun when you see an Australian pop in to like an American high school movie. Like uh, we just did Grease on this podcast. So you have Olivia, oh, yeah. Olivia Newton-John there. And uh, obviously 10 Things I Hate About You with Heath Ledger. Like that's just, yeah. it's it, it's just like, it's a fun thing when that happens, you know? <laughs> I think for Australians, it's always exciting to see an Australian like in anything. Like we just, <laughs> we get really excited when the rest of the world notices us. So, you know, we are, <laughs> We already love American high school movies, so if there's, like, an Australian character actually appears in it, it's thrilling, especially if it's, like, an Australian actor playing an Australian character. Like, it's so cool. I mean, because obviously, like, Australian actors are all over Hollywood, but they very rarely get to play Australian characters. So I remember, you know, I remember being, like, 13 when 10 Things I Hate About You came out and, um, like, Heath Ledger in all of his Australian glory. It was such a proud moment. He'd only really done... He did like one other Australian movie before 10 Things I Hate About You. And so he was kind of on people's radars here. But to see him blow up like that, it was so exciting. And I was like, was so in love with him. But like the fact that he was Australian made him like even more appealing. First of all, great age to, to watch <laughs> 10 Things I Hate About You for the first time. Oh, yeah, perfect. Yeah, no, it's true because it's like, like you said, there's so many Australian actors in Hollywood. But when you see an Australian play an Australian, not in Australia, like, it's it's pretty cool. It, it's pretty yeah. cool. It's like we exist. <laughs> <laughs> Jenna, thank you so much for coming on. I really really appreciate it. Like, I mean, I've been reading your uh, rewatch stuff for a while, and it's pretty much up my alley. It's pretty much what I do on this podcast. So it's definitely like a huge honor to have you on here. Oh, thank you, and thank you for reading. I'm like so glad. When I first started doing them, I was like. This is something that I want to do, and hopefully people are interested in it. So, um, you know, it's been good that there has been people who have been following along. Yeah, I mean, they're they're pretty popular. I mean, I, I talked about them with like a lot of people, and they're it's pretty pretty awesome. Like, it's awesome that you get to do that. Like, that's yeah. that's a pretty cool gig, I have to say. 
it definitely is. I was like, how can I make money by watching the movies that I love? <laughs> You're living my dream. So I really <laughs> like it. <laughs> yeah, so, it's pretty good. <laughs> on High School Slumber Party, we have a couple traditions here. One of them is to introduce ourselves by saying our name and our high school and all that kind of stuff. So if you want to introduce yourself and say where you graduated high school from and, and what year and stuff. Yeah, so my name is Jenna Guillaume. I graduated from Lake Illawarra High School in 2003. And um, we didn't, we don't really do school mascots. I know you kind of talk about that, but yeah, we don't really do school mascots in Australia. <laughs> <laughs> Which again is, is fascinating because it's such a, that's such an ingrained part of the American high school tradition. Yeah. And it's a, and honestly, it's a fun one. It's something I think Australia should adopt. I'm sure there's a yeah. lot of better things, but it is a fun one, honestly. Well, it's because it's a sport thing, right? Yeah. Yeah. So we, we don't have school sports. We have like, I mean, we do, we do have like, we have sport at school that we play, but it's like, it's not like a big team thing. It's not like, I don't know. My only, my main reference is like high school movies and like Friday Night Lights. Like <laughs> it's really not like that at all here. So, <laughs> you know, the, pop, the popular kids aren't jocks. We don't have cheerleaders, none of that. Which is, again, that's such an important part of the American high school film. So I, yeah. I can't even imagine watching that and not having that, you know? <laughs> yeah. I think like when Bring It On came out, it was so popular here. And like people started trying to get cheerleading to go for a while, but like we literally, like we don't have like sporting teams with cheerleaders. <laughs> so it was like just a bunch of us girls, like just be like, yeah, let's like make up cheers and stuff. But it's <laughs> that's great. Um, it's so funny because we're such a sporting nation, but I think that's the thing is like, yeah, people tend to play sport outside of school as like just in there, like on the weekends. So it's not, it's weird, weirdly not a thing at school. No, I totally, I totally like, I, I it's weird for me, but like I, I get how that makes sense. Yeah. So um, when this film came out to all the boys I loved before, I was a little bit skeptical because I'd mm-hmm. seen certain Netflix uh, teen films and I wasn't that impressed, to say the least. I know exactly what you mean. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I started to see a lot of buzz about this film and uh, some of it from you, a lot of it from yeah. you. <laughs> I basically haven't talked about anything else for three weeks. So. <laughs> So I'm like, I gotta watch it, um, but I was a little nervous, and some 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 of my listeners were encouraging me to watch it, especially after my episode on the kissing booth, and Ooh. I I was like, okay, uh, let me give it a shot, and you know what? Pleasantly surprised, and I think I have pretty much like you said, you've been talking about this film for three weeks, so I pretty much have the best guest I could have for this film. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm like, I want to apologize to all my Twitter followers because that's all I tweet about now, but also like, <laughs> you're welcome. It's amazing. So, <laughs> and, and I noticed you kind of, you changed your like Twitter name to something related to the film. Yeah, like Peter Kay's whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> I'm obsessed, yeah. <laughs> um, which, is, which is great. Yeah, I think like, I just like, I mean, I get really obsessed with things um, and like when I think I was kind of similar, I had high, I had higher expectations maybe than you did because um, I'd read the book and I knew I really loved the book. Mm. So I was hoping that it would be a good ad- adaptation of the book, but I definitely felt burned after the kissing booth because <laughs> I remember, <laughs> I remember when the trailer dropped for the kissing booth, I was like, oh yes, this is like right up my alley. 
And then I started watching it. And I was like, oh, no, 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 no. So I was skeptical, but I was hopeful that this would be a better, like, teen movie and a better, like, a good adaptation of the book. And I was so relieved when it delivered um, and it, like, totally met my expectations and actually exceeded them because I probably were a little bit tempered, as I said, by the kissing booth. But, yeah, it's just, like, it's just a genuinely good movie and I think that's kind of, it's kind of surprising to me when Netflix does good movies. I mean... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's terrible, but, like, I've just been, I've been burned by so many of them. Um and I remember watching like set it up to and feeling similarly where I was like, I thought it would be really bad. You know, Netflix has this whole like they're really pushing the whole we're bringing back rom-coms angle. Yeah. And the first couple they released, I was like, no, you're not. These are not good. And then when they released set it up, I loved that. Um, and then with To All the Boys I Love Before, which is even better, I think it's definitely the best movie they've ever done or that I've ever watched that they've done. It's genuinely good. Like it's not just like say with like A Christmas Prince, which I also love, that was so bad that it was good. <laughs> Whereas like this is genuinely a good movie. It's, yeah, no, I agree exactly what you said because like I don't, I didn't trust Netflix too much. And especially with The Kissing Booth, I was like, oh. Oh, so bad. Basically, I was like, this is what we're going to get from Netflix. Like they're yeah. going to take some chances with some directors who don't have resumes and try to put things together or just buy things and just see what sticks and none of it's going to stick. So you read the book here, which is great. And um, I, I did not. And I was just basically going off of, well, again, some of my listeners had told me it was a good film, but I, I just, mm. I was, I was skeptical, you know, but I watched it and I was like, oh my God, you know what? This, this Netflix, you got me back. I will watch your next Netflix teen film because all the damage that the kissing booth did to all the boys I loved before has erased that. And now, I, now I'm back in, you know? I totally agree. And actually, like, I remember um, when in the lead up to it, I was kind of talking to some colleagues and I was saying like, you know, because we, we've done a lot of coverage um, on it on BuzzFeed, but we were kind of planning that. I was like, we like really hope this gets as much hype as the kissing booth because the kissing booth, like I was so shocked when it did so well because it was so bad. And I was like, look, if the kissing booth can get that attention, like this movie better. And I've been so happy to see like, just like the whole internet falling in love with it. It's been so good. I'm like, it does, it actually deserves it, the attention. Yeah. That's what I didn't understand about the kissing booth because everybody was talking about it. Yes. And I'm like, why? <laughs> I don't understand. Yeah. I'm trying to like this film. I watched it like two or three times and it still wasn't like clicking with me. I was shocked that it got so much love because I was like, this is genuinely terrible and like so sexist and regressive. But I think like for me, what I thought at the time was like, we really, um, you know, there's there hasn't been many good rom-coms or many good teen contemporary movies coming out in the past few years. So I feel like there was a massive hunger there for it. And at the time, it was the only thing. I mean, Love Simon came out earlier in the year, which was amazing. But I think like the Kissing Booth was um, like in in the Netflix kind of arena was the only thing filling that gap. So it's good to see like that, that there was still that hunger there, but now it's actually being fed by something that's worthy. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's a good explanation for why the Kissing Booth did well. Like people just like wanted something and they just latched onto it. But it, like like you said, we got something that it actually deserves the internet's love and i'm so happy about it yeah me too um so every week i read the um 
Well, for older films, I read the back of the VHS cover. For somewhat newer films, I read the back of the DVD cover. But for these Netflix films, I just read the Netflix summary. And Netflix doesn't, it, you know, Netflix doesn't screw around. Netflix just use, do, does these, like, very small summaries. So this is it. Uh, when her secret love letters get somehow mailed to each of her five crushes, Laura Jean finds her quiet high school existence turned upside down. So, that's short, <laughs> simple, to the point, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's the movie, I guess. I mean, it doesn't really um, advertise the whole fake dating angle, which is such a massive part of the movie and, like, such an, a popular trope. But, I mean, I guess that, I mean, that's enough to get me in, for sure. Yeah, and I think they also, Netflix knows that, like, while you're reading this description, they're blasting a trailer, like, at twice the volume you have the TV anyway. <laughs> So, so you know, <laughs> you're yeah. gonna get it. So, so yeah. Just quick, maybe not so quick, because I love some of these people in the cast. But I like to run through the cast and crew. Such a great cast. Yes, yes, and it, it's cast so well. Yeah. The lead, Lana Condor, I think her name is. She's yeah, Lana Condor. Yeah. She's amazing. Like she's so good as the lead in this film. She really is. Like, yeah, we've been talking a lot. Like, everyone's been talking a lot about Peter Kaminsky and Noah Centineo being amazing. But, like, she really, um, like, the movie without her, like, would not have been that same level. Yeah. So I watch a lot of these high school films. And even this film, there's a lot of these tropes. Tropes we've grown to love, but a lot, a lot of similar things. And I've, I've come to realize that it's not about like being different. It's about if you're gonna be one of these kind of high school films, you better do it well. And yes. that really depends on like a, a good lead. And she yeah. just, she, she kills it. I think like she. Oh, absolutely. She's so expressive. Like her face, like is so good at expressing exactly what she's thinking and feeling and which is so important for a character like Lara Jean quite an introverted character and if you read the book like so much of it is about her internal processes so I think Lana did an amazing job of externalizing some of that yeah yeah absolutely uh, that's that's a really good point like she just I don't I, like I can't say enough good things I hope she goes on to have like a awesome career because yeah I, I, I just think she's so talented yeah, she's amazing. I, I'm the same. I like. I really. I want to see her in everything now. All the rom coms, like all the you know superhero movies, everything. She's the best. Yeah. Um. So you, you mentioned Peter. Um. Pe mm. now, he's become kind of uh, Noah Centeno. Centineo. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm so bad at these last names, but he's <laughs> like I. You know when you read something like for for forever and like you never just say it out loud. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> that's me with these like names but yeah he's yeah he's become like an internet darling obviously um yeah he's the internet's new boyfriend <laughs> what did you think of his performance in this film i thought he was great he was so charming so endearing and like he really he has so much charisma um and he's very dreamy to look at as well which helps but like he is totally like the way he performs the character felt very natural um, and, like, it's all the little touches which, like, people have been going crazy over. Like, he moved, and apparently will improvise. Like, he has a pillow fight with her little sister and moves the popcorn out of the way before the pillow fight so it doesn't spill everywhere. And, you know, he, like, has his hand in her in Lara Jean's back pocket and he spins her around in this really cute little move. Apparently Noah improvised all of those and, like, 
um, I think people are kind of like blurring, blurring the lines and feeling like he is like Peter Kaminsky in real life, which I think there's probably definitely a lot of him in there. Um, yeah, I think he's great. Yeah, you're right. Like the this movie is good with little subtleties, and yes. he he's definitely brings it. Uh, not to, I don't really want to talk much more about the kissing booth, but <laughs> if you want to compare him to, and I, I forgot the freaking actor's name. Oh, uh, Jacob Elordi. Yeah, like yeah, he's Australian. That's why I remember. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember that too. And this, no offense to to him, but mm. Noah here, like the Peter mm. character, is so much more likable than. Oh that character and they're you know they're in comparable roles they really are and it's like yeah. night and day honestly yeah and I mean I think both of those roles really encapsulate um you know everything that's wrong with the kissing booth I think what like a lot of my issues with the kissing booth was in that character and it's really regressive kind of gender dynamics and he's quite a like um Jacob Elordi's character in the kissing booth is kind of really embodies toxic masculinity. He's very he's very aggressive, very violent, kind of like tells the main character like, oh, you should be wearing a skirt to that sure you're asking for it. Yeah. And like oh, he, Peter Kavinsky would never. Like he's like, he finds out Larry Jean's written five love letters. He's like, damn girl, you're a player. Yeah, like he's really into it. Like he, um, he totally, like full props to like Jenny Han for creating that character and then the whole team in the movie bringing it to life because he really embodies like soft masculinity and like non-toxic masculinity. And he, you know, he's the jock character, which we've seen so many times before and are very typically, you know, very macho, very aggressive. And he's not that at all, which I think is so refreshing and why it works so much. You know, you talked about the tropes kind of being there and being done well. I think that's a really good example of almost like subverting the like macho jock trope because he's, He's still a very bro character. Like he's got his like friends there and he's got that bravado and he's got that cockiness, but it's undercut with a sweetness and a sensitivity and he's not ashamed to talk about his emotions. Um, and I think that's what people are loving so much about it. Yeah, that like raises some good points. Like now, like from talking about it, to all the boys I loved before, it definitely feels like a movie that belongs in our time. Oh, yeah. And The Kissing Booth feels like a movie that is from at least 10, 15 years ago. Yeah, like I love these movies so much that, like you said, like I don't want to spend too much time on <laughs> The Kissing Booth. But I think they are just so comparable. And um, I think, like, my issue with The Kiss, one of my issues with The Kissing Booth was it really, like, it brought in Molly Ringwald. It, like, had, like, all of, it basically stole scenes from so many 90s and 80s movies, like, you know, the paintball fight and that kind of thing, like, directly kind of ripped, copied and pasted them into the movie. But it was so hollow and shallow and it didn't really, um, it, it was almost, it was more regressive than most of those movies. Like, 10 Things I Had About You is such a feminist movie and The Kissing Booth was way less feminist than that and it came out, what, like, 20 years later or whatever. Um, whereas to all the boys I've loved before, I feel like it really it connected back to those '80s movies. It definitely had a very like John Hughes vibe, but it did it in like such a modern way and such a more inclusive way. I think Love Simon earlier in the year also had that same kind of feeling, where it's very Hughesian, but um, so much more inclusive and gentle, and like makes you feel good, and it doesn't have the problematic elements that those older movies do. Yeah, no, like it, it, which is just again awesome. Yeah, 
Oh, yeah. I could, like, I love this movie so much. I'm so glad you asked me. I could talk about it all day. I'm sorry if I'm talking too much. No, 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 no. Please. We, this is what we do here. We just overanalyze and talk about these films. And it's, trust me, uh, we're going to have some fun. Great. <laughs> just want to run through this cast quickly. Israel Broussard plays Josh, who's like... Mm, he's fine. Yeah. Look, I think... Um, he was like, you know, I don't really like the Josh character as it is. Like, but like that's good because like you don't really. I know some people like Team Josh, but I'm like, no, it's all about Peter Kavinsky. So, the best thing he does is get out of the way. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's a good way to put it. Um, <laughs> Josh here is he's he's interesting, right? Because he's almost not interesting. Um, yeah, he might be like the least fleshed out character of like the main characters. Yeah, he's he's more of a presence in the book, and um, mm, okay. I read that they actually um, I read an interview with the director Susan Johnson. Susan Johnson, I think it is. Yeah, she talked about how they had more just stuff, but it really got away of the Peter and Lara Jean story. So that's interesting. Yeah, I mean, look, that, I mean, that's great because they figured out what people want, really. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. Honestly, normally when I watch these movies, I usually root for like the equivalent of the team Josh. And yeah. I really kind of wasn't here, so I guess, I mean, like, it was like, oh, okay, that ended up pretty well, you know? Like, it wasn't... Yeah. Well, I think it is, like, an interesting example. Like you said of the tropes, like, it's like so many movies are like, boy next door, okay, that's the one you're rooting for. And it's really interesting that this isn't the case here. Like, you wouldn't think on paper if you're, like, a boy next door versus the jock character, like, who are you going to go for? Um, and I love that they made it the jock character. I think like Israel, like I know like he, like it's kind of come out that he kind of, he's tweeted some quite offensive things in the past and like that's kind of even, like I already didn't like that character, but it's kind of made me not like him even more. Oh yeah, yeah, I did read that. Yeah, which is like in stark contrast to like, say like Noah Centineo, who is like tweeting all these like really feminist things and like. He's reading all these feminist books and like talking about all of that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, it's quite a contrast in real life as well. <laughs> <laughs> That's really interesting. Some of my favorite movies, not just high school movies, but just all films, are films about sisters. I grew up with two brothers. Mm. I never had any sisters, so maybe that's why. And I love the sister dynamic here. Kitty is played by Anna Cathcart. And, yes. And Margot by Janelle Parrish. And yeah. huge, huge Kitty fan. I love Kitty. <laughs> She's so great. She's so funny. And, like, it's so great to see, like, a young kid character that's, like, like feminist and outspoken. Yeah. No, <laughs> like, she was great. And I, I thought they, like, I thought both sisters had awesome in terms, like, kind of fleshed out characters that really... Uh, that really made, like, Laura Jean stand out amongst them. But they also felt like sisters, you know? Yeah, they had a really great dynamic and really great chemistry between... Um, I mean, the entire cast has great chemistry, but the sister dynamic definitely, like, was so strong. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, I would say, like, one thing is, like, I didn't quite buy Janelle Parrish as a, like, 18-year-old. Okay, yeah, <laughs> no. I mean, like, so uh, something I ask a lot is, like, do these people look like high schoolers? And for the most part, I think a lot of them do, but she, she, you know, yeah. I know she's like, she's 
much older than high school age. And yeah, no, no, I agree with yeah. you there. I think she she's is. nearly, she's pushing 30, I think. I mean, probably because I was a big Pretty Little Liars fan as well. So I feel like I've been watching her play a high school shooter for like 10 years. Um, you know, she's the new Bianca Lawson. Like she's going to be playing a teenager for the rest of her life, I think. Um, <laughs> but it didn't bother me that like she looks like she could be maybe like, you know, a young aunt rather than an older sister. But no, she was she was great. They were all great. And and the young actress that played Anna uh, that played Kitty Anna, she was um she was brilliant in that in that role. And I think they actually aged the character up so that she could play the role because they loved her so much. Oh really? Wow, that's cool. Yeah, because I think the character's like seven or eight in the book. Mm, okay. Mm. I guess so. I guess that makes sense then. Huh. Yeah. But they did a good she did such a good job. So, uh, just quickly, John Corbett plays the dad. Um, the hot dad. Yeah, he's great. <laughs> he, uh, I knew him from my Big Fat Creek wedding, and he was also in a show, Northern Exposure. And yeah, and Sex in the City. Sex in the City, yeah. So, like, he, mm-hmm. But when I was watching him, I'm like, I know this guy's face. I don't, oh, yeah. You know, that was one of, like, look at my phone, see where he's from kind of thing. Yeah. Um, I thought he was really good in the role. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say. Um Honestly, almost half or more of the films that I've done so far or I've seen for like later episodes are like sing uh involve like single parents. So like Interesting. Yeah. And it's it's something I didn't realize before like doing this project. But that's like one of the most common things in mm. high school films. Sometimes they do it and it seems like Oh, just an easy way to get more uh, plot in here, or or mm. tug at the heartstrings. And yeah, I mean, to an extent that that makes sense. But I think the dynamic really, really worked well here, and especially like the fact that they're um, that they're like half Korean, and it, but it shows like their their culture with him like trying to like cook the food at the beginning and yeah it's a really endearing moment when he's trying to cook the korean food and they're like kitty's like it tastes like butt (laughs) (laughs) oh again i love kitty (laughs) what a what a great film in terms of like like just the, the diversity of the cast and but you know what i like about that part they don't ignore it but they don't make it like super a huge huge thing either it it seems real if you know what i mean you know yeah totally i think jenny han who wrote the book um released oh she wrote an essay um to tie in with the release of the movie about how um you know important it was to her to see like a an asian actress and an asian lead in uh in this rom-com yeah and how it was about you know it was very much like She's a character who happens uh, to be half Korean and that's very much a part of her, but that's not what the movie is necessarily about. She's, she's just this girl who's like living, you know, she gets to have this amazing kind of romance story and living her life. Um, and, it was, and it was so important for her for that that was represented and I think they did such a good job of it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that's something that just like, like it's awesome because it, like I said, it feels real. It doesn't feel like forced. Yeah. And it's so actually so funny the way they um they have Lara Jean, Peter and Kitty watching Sixteen Candles and actually actively commenting on how racist and in such sharp contrast with what they're actually creating. I think thought that was a really nice moment. I'm sorry, isn't this character long dong duck 
like kind of racist? Not kind of, extremely racist. So why do you like this movie? Why are you even asking that question? Hello, Jake Ryan. <sighs> I'm way better looking than that guy. You wish. Oh, yeah? Incoming! Yeah, no, I mean, that was, like, again, as someone who really, like, studies this, uh, <laughs> has been watching all these films, that was so cool to me, like, that, that, again, they're watching 16 Candles, and they don't ignore, like, the long duck-dong thing, and they, yeah. they, they just, like, they address it, and it's just... Oh, sorry. That's me, like, geeking out about high school films. Yeah. No, I feel the same. Like, <laughs> like I love Sixteen Candles. I love that Lara Jean loves Sixteen Candles. You know, she wants Peter to put um, his hand in her back pocket, just like the opening image. And, like, but it's so great to have them, like, she loves it, but she also recognises its problems. And, like, I personally relate to that so much. So I love to see that call it, called out. Yeah, it was a great moment that Peter called it out as well. It was just, like, another example of him being, like, the kind of non-toxic <laughs> guy that we all want in our lives. <laughs> yeah, no, like, and that was great. And again, like you said, like, it, it's great that, like, she enjoyed it because how, how much can we relate to that? How we can love these films of the past and then feel uncomfortable about their problematic moments as well and just feel, like, conflicted about it, which is yeah something we talk a lot about a lot on this podcast. And it just, it was like, again, my high school film nerd dumb was like through the roof when that scene was yeah. happening <laughs> yeah it was it was brilliant it was it was um so meta and like just so fun yeah yeah absolutely so i was gonna ask you this because my notes are pretty poor in this section and i feel like you would know this mm-hmm. i mean we know that she sends well she doesn't send out the five she writes five letters to her crushes never intending to send them out really and yes uh, her sister ends up sending them out, you know, unbeknownst to her. So who are the five guys sh- she has letters written to? My letters are my most secret possessions. I write them when I have a crush so intense, I don't know what else to do. There are five total. Peter, the most popular guy in school. Kenny from camp. Lucas from homecoming. John Ambrose from Model UN. And Josh, but he's my sister's boyfriend. Okay, so there's Kenny from camp. <laughs> Um, and his letter actually comes back because in the movie she addresses it to the camp that they went to and it's like it just bounces back. So he do- who knows what Kenny's like these days. Um, <laughs> and then obviously um, and then there's Peter who was um, she, so she was um, he was her first kiss. So they were playing spin the bottle at a party in middle school. Peter kissed her. In the book, he actually, like, he just wants to kiss her. It's not to do with spin the bottle, which I think is really interesting change. Mm, yeah. But, yeah, no, so, so she was she had a crush on him in middle school. And then there's Luke, Lucas from Homecoming. So she um, danced with him at Homecoming and had a crush on him after that. There's John Ambrose from Model UN, um, who, like, like, I have a lot to say about John Ambrose, actually, because he, so she kind of, um, it doesn't. They don't really go into him much in the movie, and I'm hoping a sequel happens because he's a major character in the second book. But basically, um, her crush with John Ambrose kind of overlapped with her crush on Peter in middle school, and um, like she was, she was pretty deep in her crush with John Ambrose, and he kind of shows up in the at the end in the mid credits scene 
yeah, with, yeah. With, with the letter, which is great. And then, of course, there's Josh, boy next door. So she, she liked she liked him before he started dating Margot. Then he started dating Margot. She tried to get over him. That's when she wrote this letter. And I think at the beginning of the movie, she still really likes him. It kind of opens with a fantasy um, of her like envisioning him in this romance book that she's reading but through the course of the movie of course like she kind of moves on from him which is great (laughs) (laughs) this is why we have you on jenna because you are clearly the pre pre preeminent expert on this film (laughs) i may have watched it more than once (laughs) (laughs) great yeah no i mean that post-credit scene we don't really need to go in order here that post-credit scene was interesting what have you heard about the uh potential sequel by the way as you mentioned it is it happening well it's not like it hasn't been greenlit yet but i think everyone involved in the movie is super keen for it i've seen like um lana condo and noah centineo both instagrammed like the photo of them kissing in the hot tub and we're like like who wants to see a sequel so i feel like they're like trying to hype up um, the audience for it, probably then to turn around to Netflix and be like, hey, like, look at all this interest in it. And I think, like, everyone definitely wants a sequel, I think. And I thought that post credit scene or the mid credit scene set up perfectly for it. Because as I said, John Ambrose McLaren is kind of a major character in the second book and um, kind of throws off the dynamic between Peter Kubinski and Lara Jean in a really interesting way. And I think that could be so good to watch um, as, as a sequel. Well, I don't see any reason for them not to do a sequel. I mean, I don't understand how Netflix, like, makes money on making these films. Mm. Well, I, actually, I also I read an interview with the director and she said that Netflix told her that they decide within a 28-day period whether, like, it's got enough attention to, to warrant a sequel. So, yeah, when I read that, I kind of tweeted it out. I was like, come on, let's all do our duty and watch 10 times. <laughs> <laughs> It's a tough job, but someone's got to do it. So, yeah, I mean, I guess we're we're reaching, like, the three-week mark now. So I guess it's got, like, another week. Apparently that's the period that Netflix uses uses to decide whether they want to do a sequel. But I feel like it, it, it would feel bananas if they didn't because it's so popular. The story's already there. Like, the whole cast, the whole crew wants to be on board. He's on board, so, yeah. Well, if we can help that... We certainly <laughs> will try our best. Yeah. We got we'll one more week, it. guys. <laughs> yeah, I mean, hopefully they do it, like, quickly because you don't want the cast to age too much, especially, like, the little kitty. She, you know, she's still that quite young character. So hopefully, you know, we don't want her to, like, suddenly, like, shoot up through puberty and can't do the movie anymore. <laughs> no, true. Now, this is part of a – there's a third book, right? There is a third book. So I think that would be interesting. I actually feel like – um it would make sense to combine the plots of the second and third books mm. for a sequel because they actually brought forward some of the events from the second book they brought into the first movie. So, for instance, like the hot tub video going viral and everyone like um, teasing her about that, like that's not in the first book, that's in the sequel. And, oh, okay. That's yeah. pretty pivotal, yeah. Yeah, totally. And also like... The first book ends with her um, on New Year's Eve just, like, writing a letter to Peter so you don't actually know what his reaction is, whereas then the second book opens with, like, her going to scene, which is kind of like that scene at the end, which is the, on the lacrosse field. Um, uh, so, yeah, they, they definitely they brought some events forward and I know um, Susan Johnson talked about if they did do a sequel, they would 
Um, maybe put some of the Josh story that they cut from the first movie into the sequel, which I'm like, uh, like you can leave him fine. Like <laughs> <laughs> he's pretty much like a non-event um, after the first book anyway. It's all, it, it then becomes more about John Ambrose McCarran, which is all about like, so he, he obviously like he's, you know, so Josh is, is complicated and then Lucas is gay and Kenny from camp, like we never hear back from him. So the remaining letters that, that, like, she actually does get a response from a Peter Kavinsky and John Ambrose McCarran, and that's what plays out in the second book. So, um, and I think the cat, the actor that they got, they cast for that split second role is pretty perfect for the for the role just from the looks of him. So I would love to see that play out. Yeah, I was gonna say that too. I, I hate when they like do a scene like that and then they recast the person who is in like yeah. the post credit scene. I don't know who that guy is, but keep that guy. And I think as well with like the third book, like there's not there is stuff that happens, but like not there's it's a lot of like it's more about Lara Jean's like internal struggle with change as she's like leaving high school and going to college. So they could definitely incorporate incorporate that into like the second movie instead. Not that I would complain if they did more movies, but I think <laughs> can, I think one more movie just from the story that they've got would be enough. Well, I'm excited to see. I think they will. I, I'm, I'm with you. I think, like, I don't see why they wouldn't. I, th- I, think, I think they would be a little bit out of their minds if they didn't. Um, you mentioned him because of one of the letters. What did you think of the uh, Lucas character? I thought he was great. I, I really liked that they showed him bonding with Lara Jean and, like, um, you know, she starts out, the, starts out the movie, she doesn't really have any. So it was nice for her to, like, get another friend. Yeah, no, that's true. Yeah, and in the book, he's a white character. So I like that they cast a black actor, actually, and made the cast that little bit more diverse as well. Hmm, okay, yeah, no, that, that's cool. And you mentioned her friends. The, the other friend she has who I love, too, is uh, Chris, I think her name is. Yes, I love Chris. She's so funny. Uh, yeah, I'm a big, big Chris fan. Yeah, and I, I love that she's like the total opposite. They get on so well and they're, like, they're really, it's that kind of friendship that you've had since you're younger that maybe doesn't make that much sense to anyone on the outside, but it's so strong. Yeah, and it's not like, it, it, it makes no sense on paper, but you get like from when you like really understand like the characters, like yeah. why they would be friends, you know? Like they, they don't live the same lifestyle, but they definitely like respect each other. And, yes. uh, like, uh, it's awesome. Like, cause I like how they go to bat for each other, you know? Yeah, totally. I love seeing like female characters support each other. Cause so often in these movies, they're like pitted against each other. So it's nice to see them like just having each other's back. So, um, speaking of, I guess, uh, s- some of these characters, I don't know. Um, have you taken the, I mean, I've, I haven't taken all of them, but have you taken the, uh, some of the BuzzFeed quizzes. <laughs> I mean, I've, I've created some of the BuzzFeed quizzes. Yeah, one of them I have up here you actually created. Uh, <laughs> let's see which one this is, because uh, I have, like, a ton up here. The, yeah, we've, we've done a lot. <laughs> <laughs> which of Laura Jean's crushes is your soulmate? Yes. I got Peter Kavinsky, and um, <laughs> I may, like, I knew what the answers were to get Peter Kavinsky. <laughs> I was going to ask who you got because you created it. I got Peter yeah. as well. So Yeah, great. I definitely, um, <laughs> like, little insider secret, I definitely used to get Peter than any of the other guys. <laughs> <laughs> so you had to try really hard to not get Gotcha. How many of the other guys could you get? All five of them? 
yeah, all five are in there, but it's 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 much harder to get the other guys. How do you get the guy from camp? Like, like, what? like <laughs> he's in there. Um, I like. I think I just base his personality on like, oh, well, he's from camp, so he's like outdoorsy, I guess. So. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah, I could see that. Yeah, there's like a stationery with trees on it, and okay. yes, <laughs> you, you can get it out. You, you know my secrets. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Let's see what other quizzes I took. Okay, I took one that said, the cast of To All the Boys I Loved Before took over. Uh, which character from the film are you? And yes. I was Chris, which I was happy about. Yeah, I got, weirdly, I got Peter Kavinsky in that one. <laughs> <laughs> which I'm like, I don't think I'm Peter at all. But anyway. You seem to yeah. be Peter for all these quizzes. And <laughs> yeah, how weird. <laughs> and then the other quiz I took, let's see. Oh, which Covey sister are you? And of course, I got Kitty, and I was happy with that. Yeah, I got Lara Jean, which I was happy with, because I think I do relate to her a lot. Like, she's, like, her introversion, and, you know, she'd rather read a book than go to a party. That That's me as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I like the Kitty description, because I, I like, Kitty might not be me, but Kitty's who I kind of want to be, I think. Yeah, <laughs> it says, we all want to be Kitty. <laughs> You're a sass queen like Kitty, and you fully embrace being the center of attention. And did I mention yeah. you're freaking hilarious? <laughs> Sometimes you take things a little too far, but you're always well-meaning and a true ride or die to the people who are closest to you. So, Kitty Amazing. for life. Kitty for life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wait, what did, what did you write as the Peter explanation? I need to see this now. This is the stuff we do on this podcast. So don't <laughs> in, um, in which quiz? Let's see. It says, you got Peter. Congrats, you got Peter with the beautiful eyes. He's the sweetest, softest, most perfect boy in the world. You're so yeah. lucky. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. Yeah. Um. Were there any uh, particular scenes that we haven't talked about that stood out to you or, or other things you really, moments um, you really liked in the film? Oh my gosh, so many. <laughs> I, we haven't really talked about the hot tub, which I feel like we have to. Like it's a pretty pivotal scene. Yeah, I, I'd say so. All by yourself right here? So what? Now you're ignoring me? Oh, I'm the one ignoring you. It's funny. Well, sorry I'm not a good skier. You didn't even offer to teach me. Oh, and I'm supposed to be sweet to you after you just don't sit with me on the bus ride up here. Well, shouldn't you be thanking me? That you got to sit next to who you actually wanted to. You know, for someone who has such good grades, you can be so dense sometimes. What? Yeah, I wanted to sit next to you, Large. I even packed the snacks. I asked Kitty where to find those uh, those yogurt drinks you like so much. The Korean grocery store is all the way across town. Yeah, I know. So if I went all the way across town, to get you something that you like, then that means... You must really like yogurt? You are awesome. 
I'm sorry, I didn't sit next to you. Yeah, I think, I mean, that's definitely the scene that, like, I've seen so many people, like, just tweeting about and really obsessed with. Um, obviously, like, it's kind of like the moment that the relationship between Peter Kavinsky and Lara Jean becomes real and they kind of acknowledge their feelings for each other, not as overtly as they do at the end of the movie, but it's it's kind of like they drop the the facade that they're only doing this to, like, make people jealous. Yeah, you know what I liked about it? Um, I like that it wasn't just, like, everything you said is true, but I like how it wasn't just random. Like, they were, like, teasing this ski trip the entire film. Yeah. Yeah, he put down on the contract that he wanted to go to the, the ski trip with her. Yeah, absolutely. So, like, it makes you build for it. Because, like, you've seen so many movies, right, that, like, that'll just be a random hot tub at a party where this moment happens, you know? Yeah, like you said, they've been building for the ski trip, and then he, like, he's upset with her because she doesn't sit next to him on the bus, which, like, is, like, such a high school thing. Like, it just does not get more high school than, oh, my God, you didn't sit next to me on the bus, I'm not talking to you. <laughs> and, like, Peter convinced then like, sad boy in the hot tub alone because Lara Jean didn't sit next to him on the bus. <laughs> it's, like, it's kind of ridiculous when you, like, say it, but it works so well in the movie. And I, I think that's what makes the movie so good as well is, it treats these very high school kind of stakes, these what what seem like low stakes as high stakes, and like gives them kind of the respect and attention that teenagers give to them. Um, so yeah, I think like it's great, and it's like it's so and you know, and then Peter then is saying like he drove across town to get the snack she wanted, and like it just really showcases his character is so thoughtful and. Um, like really quite emotional as well, which is nice. And it's, it, that's kind of like the light bulb moment for Lara Jean as well. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. And, and um, we haven't really talked about like uh, Jen too much. Oh, yeah, yeah. But that's an interesting, you know, dynamic there too. Who do you think, I mean, maybe you know, but who do you think videoed or like uh, took the photo or videoed them in the hot tub or whatever? Oh, it was definitely Jen, 100%. You think so? Um, yeah, there's no doubt in my mind. Is there, like, do you think it could be someone else? I don't know. I heard that, like, I was reading on Twitter that there's some controversy. Like, who was it? So, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm kind of baffled by that conversation. It was very clearly Jen. Like, even, like, Lara Jane knows showed away that it was Jen and, um, like, confronts her, which is a great moment as well. Um, and, like, leads to the amazing like line that was like it wasn't tongueless to me which was talking <laughs> about the when peter like jen was like still pissed off at her for like kissing peter kavinsky in middle school um <laughs> like it, it kind of like leads to all these amazing revelations and i think like I, but I think it was definitely like jen is super um and she i think she's the type of girl that like 
she wanted Peter Kavinsky to be devoted to her, even if she didn't necessarily want him. Um, and I think that's when, like, she's, you know, she started kind of being interested, not necessarily because she always wanted to, wanted him there for her, and it's quite shocking to her to see him then be interested in Lara Jean. Um, and she, I think she's also a very insecure character. So, like, that, I think all of that kind of leads her to to taking the video and, and leave. I 100% think she leaked it. Like, that scrunchy move that she pulled, like, that Ooh, was so yeah. oh, so yeah. nasty. Like that that was just that character was like, you know. And she also like I think she's a she's a complicated character. Like she's not a straight out like cardboard cardboard cut out villain. But um, yeah, I definitely think it was her. No doubt in my mind. Well, I'm trusting you. You're the expert. But uh, <laughs> again, I knew there was I, I knew there was some controversy about who it was. Um. um Something about the hot tub scene, too, like, and again, I don't want to bring this movie up again, but I'm going to, <laughs> with the kissing yeah. booth, like, you know, I'm really glad, like, they didn't have sex in the hot tub. Yeah, I mean, that's just not who Lara Jean is. Exactly, because, okay, back to, you know, in the kissing booth, mm. like, she's like, oh, I've never been kissed before, and then, like, halfway through the movie, it turns into, like, a sex comedy, you know? <laughs> yeah, and, you're like, what the hell, you know? And like, I thought that they could have like really ruined the tone if they would have just turned it into that, you know? <laughs> I kind of was like half thinking like this might turn into the kissing booth. So, so like that to me affirmed that okay, they're they're really legit doing a good movie here. Like it's not like yeah, you know, they're not it, gonna screw with me. I'm sorry, I was burned. I was burned by the kissing booth. Oh, but. I totally was as well. I totally get it. Like I'm all for that sex positivity in movies, especially like female characters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Unashamedly, like, having sex and, you know, not being slut-shamed for or anything like that. But it would not have made sense for Lara Jean at all. She's, she's, you know, at the beginning of the movie, like, or when she's doing the contract, she's like, I don't want you to kiss me. Like, that's special. That's, like, I'm not ready for that much intensity yet. Like, she's just not at that level yet. So I thought that the hot tub scene was where she was at the level of, like, yes, she wants to kiss him. Um, but to take it any further than that would not have made sense for that character in that moment. Yeah, and that's what's great. You know, I agree with everything you're saying here. Like, if it was another character with with other, you know, um, if we'd learned different things about them, that like, it, yeah, totally, whatever. But, like, mm. she, that was just not Laura Jean. No. And, like, it, it, to me, it would have ruined what, like, an awesome moment it was for yeah. her. I think one of the great things about Peter as well is that totally respects her boundaries and he lets her like you know he clearly very clearly wants to kiss her but he doesn't doesn't try to um after that initial kiss when she's like no no more kissing until she then approaches him and um I think that's what people make people spoon so much as well over that scene is like they're finally kissing but like he totally lets Lara Jean kind of take the lead on it what a concept, huh? What a concept. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and even even after, you know, when they're having, like, oh, physical stuff might not be a big deal to you. He's like, who's not a big deal to me? I think that's, as well, it's really great that he's kind of pushing back against that. It means nothing to guys. Like, it's, it's really significant. Like, it's such a small moment, but it's significant to see, like, this um, kind of masculine job character saying, no, like, physical intimacy intimacy is tied with emotional intimacy to me yeah i mean it's 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 what makes it like you said it's what's making peter the internet darling right now yes 
and and it's a well-deserved one so he's great <laughs> peter is like again he he's the internet's hero and i'm happy about that yeah so i think i think like that's why that's one of the things that makes the hot tub scene so great and it's also just like it's a kiss like there there are some bad kisses on screen, but it's a very good kiss <laughs> Yeah, I mean, they, they uh, well, I'll ask you, like, what do you think of the, their chemistry? Oh, I think their chemistry is off the charts amazing. What do you think? Yeah, no, I was going to say, like, I thought they had, like, really good chemistry. And again, I usually don't find myself rooting for, like, the jock character that they make mm. into the heartthrob. Like, I'm usually, like, rooting for the other guy. But you, I couldn't help rooting for Peter. Because yeah. he's just great. <laughs> totally. They, they have really good chemistry. I think, like, that is so key to what actually makes the movie work. Like, both of them as individuals are really great, but together they really light up the screen. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. So any other scenes in this film that really stood out to you? Oh, gosh. Um, <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I, I like, literally like all i'm trying to think of like what are like standout moments i mean i'm just thinking of like the scrunchy snap <laughs> like i'm just maybe i'm just thinking about what i love about peter now but like um it's just like all the little character moments like you know when he puts his, her scrunchie around her wrist and like snaps it it is like oh like it just makes him feel like really real and hot <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that's a good moment one thing one scene i did think that was like a good addition um the scene between lara jean and her dad in the diner oh that's that's exactly the next scene i was going to bring up actually yeah i thought that was really great it was such a lovely moment and really brought to the forefront like why lara jean is so um like caged up and so introverted and so wary of letting people in um and I really, I thought it was like, it was, it was so nice to hear him talking about what he loved about her mother and then also like what he sees in her. And it's a really nice line when he's like, you've always been like that to us, but you haven't opened up to the world and you did with Peter. It's something like that. And I think like, I think that's really nice, especially for myself as an introvert. Like, it's nice to hear that as a character. like, oh, we see you for what you are. And like, we want you to show that to the world. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I, it was a really, really touching scene. And I've seen a lot of scenes like this in in, in these kind of films, like I said, especially when um, considering how many of them are like uh, single-parent films in these types yeah. of films. But this was like a super touching one. And the, the whole like jukebox with the, with the like, what's the song? Like, like everybody wants to rule the world. Like, ah. Oh. Yeah, like, that one. <laughs> it, it was... It was a really touching moment, and frankly, not something, no offense, Netflix, but not something I expected from a Netflix film. Yeah, like, it made me actually quite emotional, and, um, like, and it's such a nice moment when she's, like, then, because he talks about how her mum would always play the song twice, so then she puts the song on twice at the end. I thought that was really nice. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And the one line that, like, oh, like, tugged at my heartstrings where he's like, you know, she used to get up and dance to this song, and I wish I w got up and danced yeah. with her. Like, oh. Again, the dad, he's just, he's such like a, yes, he's good looking, but he's such like an endearing dad. Like, just a little background, guys. If you haven't seen the film and you're listening this far into the podcast, I'm, <laughs> I, I, I'm curious. But uh, uh, just a little background. He's also like a, uh, he's like a doctor. He's like a gynecologist. 
which is played to like <laughs> kind of funny effect in the film. Like Chris even asks him like, why are you like a male gynecologist? Like, did you, you know, <laughs> but, um, it's so funny. Yeah. yeah, no, it's, it's hilarious. But, uh, that, that condom scene in the car is really funny when he's like, yes, <laughs> before the ski trip or whatever. <laughs> Thanks dad. I'll see you in a couple days. Well, honey, we need to talk about your sexual health. No, no, please. No. As your father, I think you're too young to have sex. Mm-hmm. Did you know that most unwanted teenage pregnancies are the result of expecting abstinence? Now, I know that you're smart enough not to do things just because a boy may want you to. Okay. Let's make this end. It's your decision. I want you to be safe. Dad, why are you giving me these? Pulling out's not protection. Oh, my God. I'm getting apart. Don't forget to have fun. Yes. Well, I have a lot of rubbers for that, specifically. Yeah, he gives her condoms and then she's like, please stop. I I mean, even that, like, that was so great because so many teen movies are such, I'm so tired of, like, the dad bringing out the shotgun and it's, like, funny, ha-ha. Or, like, he's like, what are your intentions to my daughter? It was so refreshing to see a dad be like, look, I'd rather you didn't have sex, but, uh, you know, I'd also, like, I need you to be safe and healthy with it. So here's some condoms. Don't talk to me about it, but please be careful. Um, and like it was so nice to see that kind of dynamic, even though like Lara Jean's like dying. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I think Lana Condor is great in that scene as well. Like her comedic timing, is so good. Yeah. So it's a really funny scene, but it's also it's really like pushing back the notion that like dads have to protect their daughter's virginity. Yeah. No. And and again, it like it made it wasn't also played to like it was yes it was played to a funny effect, but it also made sense that he was like talking like that because he is like an OBGYN or whatever. Yeah, and it, yeah, there's other great moments as well when like um, there's that interaction between Kitty and um, and Doctor Covey that's like when she when Kitty's like oh maybe she's on it's the moon day like maybe she's got her period. And he's oh, like, yeah. he's like, just why can't you say, me- you know, menstruation? Okay, Doctor Man, like, yeah, like, gives him a dressing down for like mansplaining to her. Yeah, no, that's great. Um, yeah, another kitty moment, just randomly, I thought of, or, or just a kitty dynamic that I thought was awesome. She's that great, like, wise beyond her years, like, yeah, character. But um, the fact that she gets attached to her. Uh, sister's boyfriends yes like one great and i feel realistic too and i love how like uh laura jean is like concerned you know i love how she's concerned the fact that like oh even though we're in a fake relationship for now like i see kitty's getting close i mean obviously i'm loving her lines like yeah she's like i don't i hope kitty doesn't get too attached yeah yeah, which I think is like I I just thought that like added to the sister element because while this whole uh, fake relationship with the whole contract is happening, it's not just about that. Like the other characters and how they play into it, like matter. You know, like they're yeah, not totally. Just, they're not just like little yeah. funny side characters, and it's, it's yeah, it's great. Yeah, I think especially for Kitty, like um, you know, they established early on in the. She was quite young when their mother died. And Lara Jean and Margot have played such an important part in 
raising her essentially. And um, I think Dr. Covey even says that at one point, like he's kind of like, because he's so busy with work, he does feel guilty about how much he lumped on Margot and Lara Jean. And then Margot is this really motherly figure to all of them. But when she's going off to college, she kind of has that talk with Lara Jean that's like, well, now you're the oldest sister in the house, so you have to set the good example. And you definitely get that protectiveness from both of them that they feel towards Kitty, um, which is really nice, I think. And I think, like, the like Kitty being the amazing character she is, like, it definitely feels like she kind of, um, you know, like Lara Jean and Margot have done their best to make her make sure she's well adjusted and happy. Yeah, yeah, no, and again, I mean, I could speak forever about the just like their sister <laughs> dynamic and the yeah. whole family dynamic. Yeah, it's so good. It, yeah, that really is. Again, bravo Netflix and bravo <laughs> whoever like greenlit this film. Um, yeah. So, like, again, you've read the book. What, do you consider it a good book? Yes, I do. I really like book. I mean, I read I read a lot of YA, so um, it's a great, it's definitely, um, it's a very sweet, very charming, I mean, just like the movie, very fun YA book, yeah. So, so then, I mean, I guess you'd have to say a lot of, like, the heart of this film definitely comes from the source material then. Definitely. I, it's a really good adaptation. I mean, there are a lot of scenes are kind of straight from the book, but there's a lot that's been left out um, and some stuff that's been added. But, like, I'm not one of those fans that's like, oh, it must be an exact carbon copy of the book because, like, <laughs> what's the point of what, having a movie if you, want, if you just want the movie? Just read the book if, you, if that's all you care about. Um, but it's, it's very faithful to, like, the spirit and the heart of it. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I would say, like, I love the book, but I would say I probably love the movie a little bit more. Wow, that's great. Um, yeah, I think, and I think a lot of that comes down to the cast and the chemistry. Um, and like, for instance, like I lo- like I love Peter Kavinsky in the book, but I definitely love him more in the movie. They kind of like they've downplayed some of his like cocky elements. He's still he's still got a little bit of cockiness, but it's def- it's definitely much stronger in the book than it is in the movie. But yeah, and like a lot of the changes I thought made sense. Like uh, like I said, like that scene between Doctor Covey and Lara Jean. Um, and I think moving moving the, the the hot tub video drama into the into the end of this um, story made a lot of sense to me. Um, like yeah, lots of stuff like that. I think what's and I think as well like cutting down the Josh story definitely worked for me. Like he's much bigger character in the book, and Lara Jean um, is really into him for a lot longer like to, to the point where it's like oh, towards the end of the book you're not really sure if maybe she'll go oh, off with Josh yeah like and I don't know can I say a book spoiler is you think people will care <laughs> yeah I, I don't think I don't think yeah. my audience is really going to care okay. again especially if like, yeah. yeah you know spoil so, so, away <laughs> <laughs> yeah book spoiler um like Josh actually kisses her in the book like he's he like starts to kind of reciprocate her feelings and they have a kiss and like she tells Peter about it and that's actually like Peter and Josh are fighting and that's what Margot overhears that she's actually kissed him not that she just like likes him or whatever um so but I, I kind of liked that they took that out of the movie because I think it wouldn't have felt right for the way Lara Jean was built as a character in the movie to then have her like kissing Josh I think one of the hardest things to do 
in filmmaking is to make a good adaptation or an adaptation that ex- exceeds the book. And it's from, you know, from what you're telling me, it seems like they really hit a home run in terms of that aspect here. They're definitely true to the spirit of it and the heart of it. And like, it's, it's like, it's a feel good book and it's a feel good movie. Um, I think they did, they did a great job of adapting it for sure. And it's nice because like, I feel like everybody benefits because people who, uh, read the book are going to watch the movie and people who watch the movie and really like it and and didn't read the book are going to read the book and like everyone wins in yeah totally <laughs> i mean like the book it's it's kind of crazy the book has been like impossible to get in australia um oh, really? i actually yeah like i hadn't read the first book but i hadn't read the second and third before the movie came out but i tried so i tried to get my hands on the second and third before the movie came out and they were already hard to track down. I was like, this is ridiculous. The movie's coming out in like a month. And then um, I've seen like heaps of people since the movie came out, so many people have tried to then go buy the book and it's like sold out everywhere. Wow, like all the bookshops, like like people, like the book, um, bookstores are like having to order in from America and everyone's on like <laughs> month long waiting list. Yeah, that, that's, that's awesome. So, yeah. um, any other uh, scenes or moments or that you just want to share that you want to get out and, you know? <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't know. I, 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 think, I think we've covered, like, the major ones. I'm going to probably kick myself after and be like, oh, what are you about <laughs> I just, like, it's hard because I just feel like I just start just gushing about, like, just the whole movie and just, you know, Peter Kavinsky, like, every little moment that he does. Um, and, yeah, but... I can't really think of any. What about you? No, I mean, I, I think we covered most of the stuff. Um, yeah. Like, it's, it's guys, it's on Netflix. <laughs> Watch it. You definitely, you know, I guarantee yeah, if, you're, you're not going to be, if you're into these kind of films, which, again, if you're a fan of this podcast, you probably are. Um, but if you're into these kind of films, definitely, definitely check this one out. Well, so on this, um, on this podcast, we rate things on a scale from one to five, but we pick an object in the film to rate it on, like one to five something. Is there an object in this film that you think we could rate this on? Oh, I think it's got to be love letters, right? Oh, I mean, she, easy. And she there's says, five love letters. Yeah. yeah there's perfect. five love letters. Yeah. <laughs> okay, Jenna. So, how many love letters does To All the Boys I Loved Before get? Oh, it gets five out of five love letters from me, for sure. <laughs> like, even more of it. <laughs> <laughs> that does not surprise me, but five <laughs> out of five. And again, for all the reasons we've stated here. Yeah. Um, I'm going to, five out of five is is hard for me on this show, but I'm definitely going to give it, uh, I'm going to give it a four out of five, if not even, okay. maybe even a half, a four and a half letter out of five, because again, this yeah. is, this is a really good teen film, and it, yeah. it it's um definitely one of the better ones that have come out this year. Might be the best, and uh, probably it. I mean, at the end of the year, maybe I'll make a list, but it's definitely top three that's come out this year, and certainly the best. I mean, off the top of my head, the best not just high school film, probably the best Netflix film they've ever had. Yes in my mind so the best thing about this film besides of how awesome it is it's it makes me hopeful for what netflix is capable of because they could reach 
they could reach so many people around the world with their films. And if they start like killing it with these kind of movies, they're going to be like unstoppable, you know, and, and something to definitely look forward to for sure. Yeah, totally. I think like one thing with Netflix is like, they kind of don't have to be very good because people watch them anyway. Yeah, that's a good point. Like, so it's, it's kind of, um, you know, and you can see that in the way that they pick up, movies that like no other distributor wants to put out there because <laughs> it's like, not good enough um but like i think like it's it's really exciting that you know they like it's not just all by the numbers churning out like algorithm you know robots making movies or anything like that like it's generally like you know amazing people made this brilliant movie with so much heart so like hopefully they've set the bar very high for themselves now hopefully they can deliver on it I hope so, but I mean, we're better in a world where To All the Boys I've Loved Before exists, so. I agree. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Jenna, since I have you here, I have to ask you some things before letting you go, just because I would be mad if I didn't. Um, Okay. (laughs) So, what are your favorite high school slash teen films? Like, one favorite? I mean, you can you can pick multiple. There are no rules in this segment. Okay, I kind of like I I like kind of move between um, as my ultimate favorite, like Ten Things I Hate About You or Clueless. Um, I think Ten Things I Hate About You like just edges out Clueless for me, um, especially because I like I I rewatched them quite recently, mm-hmm. like and I watched them only a couple of weeks apart. And I watched Clueless and I was like, oh, this is the perfect teen movie. And then I watched 10 Things I Hate About You. I was like, no, this is even more the perfect teen movie. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I'm going to go 10 Things. Yeah, they're both, they're both great teen films. Yeah, like, so clever, so funny. And, I mean, and they withstand the test of time, I think, both of them. Oh, 100%. This, they're, so, they're so classic and also, like, not problematic, which is so nice. <laughs> Yeah, no, 100% for sure. So um, I guess whether you've done an official rewatch or not, are there any films that uh, disappointed you in the rewatch or at least surprised you in the rewatch? Um, I think I actually like the very first rewatch I did um, as part of this series was Cruel Intention. Oh, yeah, yeah, I remember and, that one. <laughs> yeah, like I had not watched it in like, 20 years or something but it was when did it come out like 1999 so 19 years or something or was it 97 sorry i'm getting anyway um i was obsessed with this movie as as a teenager (laughs) and it was it was formative for me like it was like you know my sexual awakening i think (laughs) right Right? philip hey between like i know what you did last time cruel intentions and then reese witherspoon in fear and then cruel intentions and then just Sarah Michelle Gellar and everything. Like, it was, like, the <laughs> ultimate cast. And just, like, it was, like, I think, like, I I thought I was so cool watching it. Like, I was probably, like, a little bit. I actually think my friend and I had to sneak in because we were too young to, like, we couldn't get in. I think here it was, like, MA 15 plus. So you had to be 15 to get in. Um, and I was, like, 13 or something. Wow, you saw so, it in a the theatre? 
Wow. Yeah, so I did a theatre and I snuck into the Cruel Intentions Theatre and, um, like, it was just, like, I, I felt like I was so cool that I had watched it and I obsessively rewatched it and, and like, rewatching it as an adult for the first time in nearly two decades, I was like, this movie is a mess. <laughs> <laughs> it was just, like, so, like, bad. Like, the acting was not very good in it. I mean... It was mainly Ryan Philippe was not very good in it. Whereas, like, I loved him <laughs> as a teenager. But, like, Sarah Michelle Gellar looks like she's having the best time. She's great. And, like, Reese Witherspoon is always good. But I just think, like, I was just like, wow, I can't believe, like, my mum let me watch this. I don't think she, <laughs> she even realised. And it's just, oh, like, it's really just, like, teenagers acting like adults, like, and it's, like, I feel like it's proto, like, Gossip Girl. Like, it's, it. I think watching, I was like, wow, Gossip Girl totally took so many cues from Cruel Intentions. But it's uh, it, it's really, like, it's very problematic. I've, like, you know, I know people, some people are like, oh, don't say everything in the past is problematic. But it's like, it's like wall to wall, like the, the way it treats gender, the way it treats sexuality. Um, you know, there's a whole, like, plot line and there's actually I actually noticed this in a few of the older movies there's a whole plot line about around like out wanting to out like a closeted footballer um you know actually like speaking of that I think Can't Hardly Wait very similarly I love that movie as a teenager and watching it as an adult I was like wow no this is not good Mm, that's good to know yeah like um it kind of like does show like as terrible as the world feels like sometimes it does show kind of how far we've come in 20 years where it's like, you know, that these movies are full of like casual, like ableism, casual racism. And, you know, that definitely still exists in the world, but like at least in our entertainment, it's definitely becoming more inclusive, I think. Yeah. I mean, that's a really good point. And even like, even it shows things even in myself, like just speak, just speaking for myself and watching, I'm like, wow, I found this funny or, you know, and then like I watch yeah. it now, I'm like, oh my god, why are they doing that? <laughs> you know? Yeah, it's really, it's been really interesting. I'm like, you know, I mean, another big example is American Pie, which I knew I haven't rewatched in a long time because I knew that I would like go into it having issues. But I, I thought it was the funniest movie in the world. <laughs> like, I think that came out when I was 13 as well. Like, I was like prime age for all these movies. Yeah, but, that's great. Yeah, very similarly, I thought it was. So hilarious. I was like, oh my, like, I, you know, I watched the un- uncut version and like, I would tell my friends like, oh yeah, he's actually like humping the pie. Yeah, yeah. We, <laughs> we, when like, we did that episode, we broke down the uh, differences in that pie thing. But no, you're very yeah. problematic film though. <laughs> yeah. And like, I loved like, um, at the time I was like, you know, I was really into Blink Blink 182 and like they were, had a cameo in it. And I thought it was so funny. And I would tell all my friends, oh, yeah, like, that's that's my favorite band, blah, blah, blah. And then, like, rewatching it and it's in this in the scene where, um, you know, they're, they're filming a girl getting undressed without her consent and broadcasting it on the internet. I was just like, oh, my God, what? Like, how yeah. did I like this? You know, and that's the thing. I was like, I was too young to know any better. And now it's kind of the opposite of everything I believe in. And, like, it's it's... It's wild that I was, like, so obsessed with those things um, p- before I had my feminist awakening, I suppose. No, but it's like you watch that, like, you're like, oh, my God, like, is this, and it's not, and again, so 
I don't watch, I'm not going to watch any of these films in, until I do the episode to keep them yeah. fresh. But American Pie yeah. is actually one, you know, we did. And it was, it was like, it's not like a subtle thing in the movie or it just happens to be that way. It is like a major freaking plot point that they're recording her without her consent. And everybody's okay with that. And like, why were these kids not kicked out of school? Yeah, that's, it's, it's so, I mean, it also shows how different our attitude to the internet was at the yes, time. Yes, yes. But yeah, it's, where, you know, she um, kind of gets shuffled off back to where she came from because she's the foreign exchange student. He doesn't face any, any ramifications. I was, I was just like, wow. Yeah. And he's no. supposed to be the hero of the movie. It's wild. <laughs> Well, yeah, that's another thing, too. Like, again, no offense, Jason Biggs. Well, kind of offense, Jason Biggs. Yeah, <laughs> you're, you're a hard-to-like-follow-and-like hero, so. Yeah. But, yeah, it's been quite surprising to me just, like, how damaging. Even the ones that I thought would be, like, not really problematic are actually like, oh, yeah, there's, like, lots of casual use of the R word, um, you know, lots of, like, homophobic slurs that are just, like, really like thrown around by characters that you know you're supposed to like they're not the bullies or anything it's quite confronting yeah no it, it, it's certainly interesting but it's i mean like you said it, it shows um not to brag about where we've come but it shows just like the differences between today and before and like what we found endearing and and what we didn't or or what we still find endearing and what we no longer find endearing so um it's just again i'm really enjoying rewatching these films even when they are problematic it's 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 fun to see where they're problematic you know because we can't undo yeah yeah i mean i definitely like i still feel like that nostalgia for a lot of them um, and like they still, you know, most of them still give me like warm feelings, like American Pie. But um, like I think it does show, you know, we may be making baby steps, but we are making progress. Yeah, 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 for sure. So um, I ask every guest this because this is the high school slumber party. What sleeping bag would you be bringing? to the high school slumber party like what is your and you can do anything you want what does your sleeping bag look like okay my actual sleeping bag when i was younger was just this very plain like dark green sleeping bag which i was like really upset about um (laughs) anyway i think like in my dream world i don't know I'm sure they did, but I would have loved like a babysitter's club sleeping bag. Ooh, that's a cool one. (laughs) yeah i'm sure they make that but that that's a good one that's yeah I feel like in the 90s, they definitely would have. They, they seem to make everything babysitter. So that would have been my dream. Or like like a Disney princess one, probably. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going through my notes, see if I missed anything. I don't think so. I think we, I think we covered the full to all the boys I've loved before. I think we did a pretty good job there. Yeah. I think, I think one thing that we didn't talk about, actually, that I really liked as well was like the kind of the cinematography and the aesthetic of the movie. Yeah, no, that that was, I don't know, I don't really know, uh, what's her name, Susan Johnson, like, I don't, Yeah. she doesn't seem like she has, she's, uh, like, that well-known of a director, but it definitely had a, had a really nice feel, no, you're right about that, like, I actually wrote that down, too, because, like, it was, again, not to diss it, but for a Netflix film, it, it was, <laughs> it was a very nice-looking film, so, 
Yeah, it definitely was. I think that that helped elevate it. I'm, I read an interview in the interview I read with um, Susan Johnson. She talked about how um, they really consciously put a lot of effort into how it looked because they wanted it to look like it had a higher budget than it did. And I think they did an amazing job. Like it's so like it has a very definite color palette um, and it just looks really beautiful. And Lara Jean, especially her costumes, like her yeah. character comes out so strongly in the costumes and in her style. I thought they nailed that. Yeah, the, the costumes were on point in this film, like from like what Chris is wearing to even Kitty, you know, yes. uh, like they're just, it's just, again, on, on point. Yeah, like Kitty wears like a feminist necklace. Yeah, no, it, it, it's it's great. And again, shout out though to, to the director because like, I hope she, besides for the sequel that like she really gets an opportunity with like to do and like a project she really wants to do because I think she certainly she certainly earned it here. Totally, I think the way it was shot was um, so good. A lot of the um, a lot of the shots were like really beautifully set up. I mean, one of my favorites in the movie is actually when Lara Jean is like on the bike uh, riding up to the the diner. It's such a beautiful shot. Like it's she's she's in like a red and cream. Outfit on like a green bike and then the diner is like kind of like match mm-hmm. yeah she's just like riding into shot and i'm just like as soon as i saw that the first time i saw that i was like oh this is so nice yeah um there's lots of little moments like that that really stand out and really elevate the movie again we don't know how netflix operates it's very mysterious but if they're gonna give uh like directors who don't have like the biggest resume these kind of chances then then I'm all for it, especially if it's like women and, and, and minorities and people who in the big Hollywood system a lot of times do get marginalized. And, you know, like, again, Susan Johnson, she really proved herself here, which is which is awesome. Like, again, I didn't know who she was at all. So I'm really, really yeah, hoping somebody gives her something, you know. Or she, yeah, me too. And just lets her do whatever art she wants to do. Yeah. Okay, Jenna, so where can people who are not maybe not familiar with your work follow you or, uh, yeah, basically, where, uh, where can they find your stuff? Yeah, well, um, I'm on Twitter at Jenna Guillaume, um, which is G-U-I-L-L-A-U-M-E. Um, I tweet a lot, and I tweet a lot about tools because I've lost <laughs> But also other things like other movies and TV shows I'm watching. Um, I think that's the main place to find me. and then. You know, obviously, I tweet my links to BuzzFeed and um, all of that kind of stuff as well. Yeah, no, and again, um, big fan of your work, and thank you so much for coming on and talking about this film, and even bringing this film to to, to light for me because you're one of the first people I saw like mention it on Twitter. Oh, thank and, you. And you know, you're if if you're one, you know job in your entire life is to make people aware of this film you've already accomplished that oh great thank you my life permission i love that i love when people like um you know i because like i said like i get really obsessed with things and i just want to fangirl and like collectively fangirl with other people so it's so it's such a nice feeling when people like come back and like yes you're right So, yeah, but I, I, in all seriousness, all your stuff is great, and, you know, I really appreciate you coming on. You're welcome on the Slumber Party anytime to chat any any other film, really, and 
definitely really appreciate it. And again, you you are doing something that's so awesome. You're talking about movies you love. So yeah, I thank love you. It. I would. I'll, I'll be back anytime. This is my favorite topic. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jenna. Thanks so much. Thanks. Big thank you to Jenna. She's awesome. I mean, seriously, follow her on Twitter, read her BuzzFeed. I really also appreciate her working with me on a long-distance connection and, you know, time zones. It was like the next day for her. It was like the night for me the previous night. So, like, awesome, awesome, awesome episode, awesome film. And thank you, Jenna, so much. You were awesome. Next week, we're staying modern. We're staying current. You know, usually this is like a retro nostalgia podcast. But you know what? 2018, you've been pumping out some high school films. Not all of them have been good, but a lot of them have been really, really good. Now, next week's film, though, you might accuse me of cheating, but trust me, if you listen to the episode and if you watch the film, it is not cheating but I won't spoil why. Next week's film is 8th Grade. Hey guys, uh, it's Kayla back with another video. So, the topic of today's video is being yourself. Being yourself can be hard, and it's like, aren't I always being myself? And yeah, for sure. But being yourself is like not changing yourself to impress someone else. A lot of people like call me quiet or shy or whatever but I'm not quiet. Most quiet, Kayla Day. I don't talk a lot at school, but if people talk to me and stuff, they'd find out that I'm like really funny and cool and talkative. By the way, I like your shirt a lot. It's like so cool. What? Kayla, one more week of eighth grade, huh? Huh? I said one more week of eighth grade, right? Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, huh? Okay, so growing up can be a little bit scary and weird. We will begin to explore these changing bodies of yours. It's gonna be lit. As always, make sure to share and subscribe to my channel, Gucci. I think you're so cool. Maybe you just need to put yourself out there a little bit. I'm gonna stop eating with you if you keep doing this. You said I could say one thing. I'm really, like, nervous all the time. I try really hard not to feel that way. But you just need to face your fears and let people know they're really you. Just grab my phone, how to charge it. Yeah, I mean, sometimes I charge it too. But my, my phone, I... Just because things are happening right now doesn't mean they're always gonna happen. Who was in there? Just sort of my hopes and dreams. Right. I was a complete mess when I was your age. Really? Eighth grade is the worst. You never know what's next. And that's what makes things exciting and scary and fun. When did you get Snapchat? What grade? Fifth grade. Fifth grade? What? Yo, And my guest next week is none other than Jordan Poland Clark. You remember her from the Grease episode, the wistful thinking high school slumber party back to school crossover. 
And we are getting this freshman year off to, like, a great start. At least that's what I think. You're going to enjoy next week's episode, trust me. Eighth Grade's a movie. It's still in the theaters, but I think it's going to get some Oscar buzz. It's one of these slow, trickling theater films that it'll be in the theaters for months. It'll come to your town if it's not in your town yet. If it's not in your country yet. But this movie, don't want to spoil it. Well, I won't say what I think of it, but... Yeah, I mean, you can probably tell from my my tone. So I mentioned I wanted to talk about a couple serious things. One, I guess, you know, not to bring the mood down, but this week was the anniversary of September 11th. Obviously a very sad day. I'm a native New Yorker, was in the area when it happened, was actually a freshman in high school when it happened. Scary day, but I'll never forget it, and, you know... No September 11th, at least in New York, but probably around this country is going to pass without, I guess for people who are alive and have it in memory, you know, it's not going to pass without just thinking about it or acknowledging it and just, what a, what a horrible, horrible day, obviously. But again, I mean, like, it's interesting because I was a freshman in high school when that happened, and freshmen now definitely have no concept of how just dark and scary that day was. So just want to take a moment and remember, you know, the victims of 9-11. But um, another day this week, actually September 10th, was a important day to my heart. And it's important even on this show. I know we like to have fun on this show, of course. It's called High School Slumber Party, and I'm a 30-something-year-old man hosting it. But it's, um, you know, this day is very important to me, and it's very important for high school people as well. World Suicide Prevention Day, like I said, September 10th. And, you know, I've lost somebody close to me because of suicide. I've, uh, you know, we've all been touched by it, whether it's someone famous we looked up to. I mean, I think of Anthony Bourdain recently, or just, again, someone close to us, like me, you know, one of my best friends in high school ended up uh, taking his own life. And, it's just, it's a day to reflect, and it's a day to reach out to people, and not just reach out, because, you know, it's challenging. It's not the easiest thing in the world, but it's it's a day for yourself. Just, you know, talk about it. It's a hard thing to talk about, trust me, but it's something that has to be out in the open in terms of, um, you know, the mental states of us and health in general, people's mental health. And the stigma needs to go away. I actually saw a link to the Movember Foundation, and I always thought Movember was about, like, other men's health causes, and it is. But I didn't realize that they had attached um, suicide prevention to it. So definitely going to grow a mustache this November. It's going to be my Movember. And I went to their website, and it had a great quote, and said, to be a man of less anxiety, I had to be a man of more words. And I think that is so true. There's like a stigma among guys. Like, if you're like depressed or something's going wrong, like you got to be macho and like not talk about it and push through it. And that's just that's just not true. Like as guys, like we just gotta we gotta talk about this stuff and we gotta sort through this stuff. And again, it's a cause that's near and dear to me. And I feel like it's connected to high school because high school is a really, really, really hard time. As we see in the films, but also obviously in real life, we all went through it. And it's it's just something that I hope as a society we can just 
at least talk about more and get the stigma away and just support each other. So that that was my uh, little uh, my little serious moment, my little bit of getting real. Back to the fun, I guess, right? So your homework. Oh, I did not forget. I did not forget this episode. John Cusack is still blocking us on Twitter. Get him to unblock us, guys. Somebody find a way. Find a way this freshman year for you. And, of course, watch 8th grade. Gucci! Don't forget to like this show's Twitter, HS Slumber Party, High School Slumber Party, Facebook, Instagram, um, some other social media that I haven't created yet. But follow us on social media. Let us know what you think. Um, Don't just follow Jenna. Well, you should follow Jenna. But follow me, too. Follow the both of us. And let's get some dialogue going. And of course, you can find this show on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, wherever you get your podcasts, really. And, of course, at cageclub.me, cageclub.me, along with a tremendous amount of other great shows. I was just with Kyle again and Mike Manzi and Joey on a Cage Club rewatch, National Treasure 2. I leave you with a song off the To All the Boys I've Loved Before soundtrack. It's actually like the song on, that they play the lacrosse field in the end. And it's by a guy named Matthew E. White, Matt E. White, and it's called Cool Out. Class dismissed.